The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Now, our next guest has an extraordinary story to tell. It's in the book, A Woman in Defence. Karina Malloy has been an outstanding whistleblower in relation to what has happened to women in the Irish Defence Forces. And she, of course, was one of the very first of the female intake back in the early 1980s. And she suffered appalling harassment and misogyny and more, which we're going to talk about now. Thank you very much, Karina, for being with us here on The Last Word. I think even Thanks the very... very much for having me, Matt. I think even the start, the day you passed out, the army band playing Thank Heaven for Little Girls was an indication of the way that you were being looked at on joining the army, wasn't it? Yes, yes. And um, and also they played from the musical Annie Get Your Gun, who and she portrayed a real sniper in, 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 in the Wild West, but but yet we weren't allowed to carry weapons on our passing out parade. Even though we did weapons training, but yet we weren't allowed to be seen in public marching with our with the rifles. Why not? Oh, they came up with some lame excuse that um in case we get um in case our skirts um came up and we were exposed, exposed our knees or oh, it was just a, a ridiculous excuse they came up with. One of many. One of many. <laughs> Because yeah. it's extraordinary reading through the book. The you really were second class citizens within the army. The, the level of condescension mm. and misogyny is actually quite extraordinary when you read it. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, we were like um, we were like unicorns for the first ten years because what people don't realise is the army continued to bring in female officers every year, but we were the the only f- uh, female recruits brought in in nineteen eighty one. And the next batch of recruits didn't come in until 1990. Why was that? I don't know. You need to ask the government that. <laughs> they just they just never brought in any more female recruits. And what were you expected to do? Because, uh, again, you write about effectively being required to be a tea lady almost. Yeah, well, in fairness, um, the, the male privates also, whatever the junior rank, the most junior rank in the office, you, you made the tea. But but initially, yes, we came in under the the umbrella of joining the Women's Service Corps. So we were supposed to be a completely different entity towards, you know, instead of belonging to the army. At that time, the British Army had a Women's Service Corps. So therefore, the Irish government followed suit, right, we'll we'll have our own Women's Service Corps. But that was scrapped within six weeks of our training. So then we realised, then said, okay, so you're now going to join, you're going to be joined in with the army, but you will still maintain being non-combatant. So therefore, we're only, uh, with the the jobs that were advertised were to be librarians, um, drivers, uh, signals. One girl did go into signals, which was good. And um, basically administration jobs. Sort of second class soldiers. Yeah, basically, yeah, yeah. To allow the men to be relieved from the office duties so that they could go out and do the machos soldiering. And we stayed behind and did the typing. And how frustrating was that at the time? <laughs> yeah, um, it, to be honest, I, I didn't really think about it until I was shown my desk. <laughs> then I realised, oh, this is going to be very, very boring, very tedious. But I had my mind set on, on becoming a physical training instructor. So I just stayed focused on that. And luckily, I was successful enough, myself and three other girls, to be selected for that course. 
uh, within a year of finishing training. So we, we did well and we were happy to get back down to the car into the gym to becoming to become fully trained physical training instructors. But we passed the course, were successful, but then we were sent back right behind our desks. We weren't allowed to train anybody. And of course you weren't competent. Did you want to go to competent? Did you want to go on overseas tours to do peacekeeping duties? Yes, yes. Oh, we did We did get there within within 18 months. Two girls started, the, they were the pioneers to get out there. But again, it was behind a desk. Okay, I suppose in the 21st century, it seems absolutely ridiculous. But I mean, was that the way, and I'm thinking back to what it was like in the 1980s and 1990s in Ireland, and maybe you forget just how much we still were sort of stuck in these defined roles for men and women yes. at the time. Yeah, you must remember that when when we signed on the dotted line, there was still Magdalene laundries open. Yeah. So that's the kind of era you're, you're talking about. Now, thankfully, all that has changed now. The army has advanced greatly and we're, we're now fully combatant. But at that time, we were, yeah, we were treated like that. Now, the other thing that's really important, and this might be distressing to some people to listen to, is the issue of the sexual harassment and the fear that you had to experience because of the behaviour of deviant men. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there was, there was a, a lot of uh, incidents. The would say the, the, the sort of less violent one would have been in my second trip overseas where two two particular um, <clears throat> men decided that they were going home and we had just arrived. Their 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 mission was finished. So they decided they needed a party and, and we were to, to join them in the party. Yet we were in our beds in our bedroom in our billet and they decided to find us and kick, try and um, bang on the doors, open the door, open the door. We're, Come on, girls, we want a party. And we roared at them, we're not partying, you know, who the hell are you? And and then <clears throat> and then they decided because we wouldn't get out of bed and open the doors, they kicked the door in and decided to come in and sit. I was sharing a billet at that time with a fellow colleague and um, two officers came in the door and decided to, to sit on each other's, one of each of our beds and open a can of beer and said, come on, we're having a party. What happened after that? Well, thankfully, nothing uh, grotesque happened in that case. Um, we, we got them out. Uh, we were quite forceful and we got we got them out of the room and we uh, closed the door and put a chair up against the door and they didn't come back. But other incidents were, in, in one particular incident, this um, particular officer decided that that I was there for his for his pleasure for, for six months and just t- tormented me and tortured me for the whole six months with innuendos and inappropriate touching. And and it ended a day, it was only a week to go, it ended in a full, full, full on sexual assault. Again, coming into the room and trying to, uh, yeah, sexual assault. Now, during that time, I did report it. And three times I went to, to my senior officer and reported his behaviour. And they said, or he said, that uh, we're not dealing with this. This is this is a good guy. This is an exemplary officer, and we'll have none of this. And off you go, Malloy, and we're not dealing with it. And yet, that they it ultimately ended in a sexual assault. And then that particular senior officer, three years later, I met him at another function, um, set up for him because he got promoted, 
and he um, he get, came to me and we had a quiet word and said, look, Karina, I'm really sorry I didn't protect you. I didn't realise how difficult uh, uh, he made your life and I'm sorry that I didn't protect you because it was my duty to protect you. And I said, well, yes, it was. You were my senior officer. It was your duty to protect me and to listen to me, but you didn't. I said, well, thank you for the apology now. He said, yeah, OK, OK. <laughs> But then what he did was he grabbed me by the back of my neck and decided to try and kiss me after apologising to me for another officer's inappropriate behaviour. So where do you go from there, you know? And it even started early. I mean, you detail in the book one time when you were swimming in the pool in Rathlines and and you were groped. Yes. And you reported it. Yes. Well, I attempted to report it. Yeah, explain that. I attempted to report it and I was um, coerced and intimidated to, to drop the charges because they they told me that my then boyfriend had uh, assaulted that particular uh, NCO, but um, he hadn't assaulted him at all. He He verbally confronted him, but he didn't assault him. But, you know, that incident, it wasn't the assault that really hurt. It was the fact that that NCO uh, announced in the NCO's mess, a bar full of men, that he enjoyed groping me and he had a great, great time. He enjoyed looking at my ass. He Did you see the the ass of Malloy? And, and what really hurt there was that not one man had the moral courage to stand up and say, well, no, that's not right. That could be our daughter. It could be our sister. You're, you're talking to and talking about and degrading. That's what really hurt. One of the things that comes across in the book as well when you talk about degrading is, I suppose, for everybody, this sort of culture, this macho culture of berating people, insulting people, and you were almost expected that this is all right because this will toughen you up in some way. Yeah, yeah. I love their saying, Asher Malai, there's only a bit of banter, grow a thick skin, just uh, put the head down and get on with it. But, um, <clears throat> but they... Uh, yeah, there's one example of that. I was doing yet another another course and unfortunately, again, through no fault of my own, I was the only female on the course. And during a, a genuine lecture on how to attack and defend a military position, the, the, in the correct terminology was how, how to you, you need to bend to find the vulnerable spot in the in the post and penetrate it with, with uh, weapons and assault. But that particular instructor decided to say in in the classroom said oh sure there's only one there's only one person in this room that knows all about penetration did it also impact on the development of your career were you actually stopped from progressing in the way that you should were you stopped from having opportunities to do things you wanted to do no i have to say um it may seem that it, it took a little longer for me to get promoted to get on nco's course but I don't think it had that actually anything to do with my gender. It was just the way that the lack of promotions were happening at that time. But um, but yes, uh, when I did start to go for promotion for a senior NCO rank, which I eventually became for a company quartermaster sergeant's rank, I did several interviews. And on the second interview, one of the junior panels, one of the junior officers during the interview, I couldn't believe it. He's allowed to think it, but he actually said it. He said, you know, Corporal Malloy, that the Irish Army is never going to promote a woman to a senior NCO rank. 
and there was silence by the from the other two officers. And I was asked to leave the room and come back in. I, I just couldn't believe he actually said that because I was qualified to go for promotion. It's about a year since you talked to Katie Hannon for her documentary, uh, Women of Honour. And have things changed, you think, for those women who are now in the Defence Forces? Have, have you, The fact that you and others have opened up about your experiences Will that make it better for those who are serving in the Defence Forces? Does it make it a better career opportunity for women who might now think of entering? Mm. Well, that's that's the whole the whole ethos and the whole focus of the Women of Honour to to get permanent change within the Defence Forces. It it has changed greatly since since nineteen eighty two since we became fully combatant. Every avenue is now open to to a woman, which is the marvelous, the best change ever. And um, but unfortunately. I, I thought there, it would have changed after I left. But immediately after the documentary, the third day after the documentary, second, third day, I got this phone call from a, a female that I knew while serving who had joined the army 12 years later than me. And she admitted that, no, it hasn't changed. Uh, she was fully combatant. She she trained in a mixed platoon, 1984, uh, worked her way up to senior NCO rank. And she phoned me and said, no, it hasn't changed. Got worse. I was really disappointed to hear that. The book is a terrific read. Uh, you wrote it with assistance from Catherine Rogers. It's called A Woman in Defence, Karina Malloy. Thank you very much for being with us here on The Last Word of Today FM. 087-4100-102 gives you the last word by text or by WhatsApp. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.